0: Hello, we are live for Pals Pools. This is the Comics Pals Weekly Show where some amount of the four of us get together to talk <laughs> comics. Uh, actually, all four of us are together this week. Uh, so say hello, Marco. Hello. Kale. What's up, hot dogs? Tyler. Hello, Marco. There you go. And I'm Sean saying hello, Marco, and hello, listeners. Thank you for joining us. We actually have uh, five books this week. How many? There you go. You guys are hot today. Um, We just couldn't pare the list down. Uh, Honestly, we probably could have done even more books. There were books that got left out. The poll this week was just, you know, a, a, a lion's den because there were so many good books in that. Like, I... I kind of thought we might end up reading Blue Book this week uh oh, by James Tinian. I hoped. But to. uh that's not what I voted for. Uh <laughs> I voted for The Winner. Uh Do You
1: voted in this poll? Of course! Whoa, you guys don't vote? I know you don't vote in your own poll. I'm 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 a host, of course, I don't vote in my
0: poll. Of course, you don't want to boost the numbers. You you don't. You don't like the YouTube video? Are you subscribed? Are you kidding me?
2: That's different. And (laughs) look Look at Marco. Marco just looks like a
0: guy who doesn't vote. It's a listener pick, and I don't listen to this show. Well, I do. So there you go. I vote. I vote, John. Of
2: course I, you I vote. don't that's I don't vote. To vote. I I would argue that we have the most important voice. All right. Hey,
1: We're listen. the ones who
0: have to read it. Now that I know, I can spam the vote. Let's. You go can't on. spam. Rock, you can't spam. Rock the vote. Yeah, let's not cheat, but yeah, rock the vote. Uh, hey, that's not what was said. <laughs> How many burners do you have, Kel? <laughs> Sorry? How many burners does Kel have where he's
2: going to be spamming this vote?
1: I got so many burners. Y'all don't even know. Y'all haven't even heard
2: about my <laughs> sex burner. Oh, oh, wow. Uh, oh, there's, there's wow. There's a doctor you can go for that. There's some ointments for that as well. <laughs> All
0: right. <laughs> that is uh, a lot more information than I thought I'd ever have about Kale. Well, we've got books to talk about. Uh, we are going to be talking about Immoral X-Men number Ooh, one. you got that good variant. Had to get the Emma Frost Sinister variant. Mm. This is Beautiful Mark Brooks. Mark Brooks yeah, yes, yeah, indeed. Yeah. I gotta oh, say the boy.
1: the shoulder that shoulder on the uh, the lino
2: the lino U variant. Oh, it's, it's ab- I think it's the one they have on the on the uh,
1: absolute yeah. murder
2: Woof. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a...
0: on the what is that the A cover it does not skip arm day. That's for sure, man. We've got Superman number one. Joshua <laughs> Williamson's debut. Also, a yeah muscular fellow. That one. Indeed. <laughs> Clayface. One bad day. The opposite of a muscular fella,
1: That's the I, I would argue. Squishy boy.
0: Winner, by the way. Uh, Junkyard Joe. Oh, yep. Uh, Sean, Joe, how do you, uh, how do we,
2: how, do, how should we be pronouncing that?
0: Well, uh, in yeah. certain communities, it would be pronounced as Yunkyard Yo. Yeah, there we go. Yes. Uh, and then we have Black Cloak number two. I really like this variant. That's a good one. Yeah. Which um, which junkyard Joe one did you get, Sean? I looked away for a second. Oh, uh, I I I got this one. The uh, oh, gotcha, uh, gotcha. You didn't get yeah. the A
2: variant. That's like the Dick Cheney
0: variant. Yeah. No. Okay. I got, got the it. uh, it's on the stream. Two sides. It's more of a variant. visual joke. But yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> Just before we get into these book reviews, I do want to let you guys know how okay. you can find and support the show. All over the internet, we are The Comics Pals, at The Comics Pals, and also all social media platforms. The best way to support the show is heading on over to patreon.com slash Pals, where for as little as $3 a month, you can uh, help us out, and you get access to stuff like our newsletter. Uh, I put out mine this week. I ranted about people people who are mad about other people enjoying things. Uh... You get access to our... Sorry? I want to read that one. <laughs> yeah, maybe you should. Um, I mean, of yeah, course maybe you, you should. should.
2: Jesus Christ. Do you guys make all the cocktails I put on the on the Patreon?
0: I don't know I how, don't how to know. make cocktails. Only I
3: only made one because I don't have all of the alcohol you
0: have. Uh, you can also listen to our Patreon-exclusive show, Palling Around, which uh, we have a good time on. Um, there's a new one either... Out or will be it's out. It's Yeah, it's out.
3: Yeah, it's it's out, out. It's out um, so. Ties ties into Sean's newsletter, apparently.
0: Indeed, it does. Indeed, it does. So if you if you get into both, you'll figure out why. Watch this show live every single Thursday at six p.m. Eastern Standard Time. God's hour. Uh <laughs> now where I am. Is that a uh, is that a, is that a thing? God's hour? No,
3: it is now. Know. I don't know, 6 p.m. on the Thursday EST, Twilight Hour. hour. Uh,
0: and if you want to hear the main show, that's 10 15 a.m. Eastern every single Saturday this week. We will be talking about the new Jonathan Hickman Brian Hitch series that's uh taking things back ultimate style. So that should be a lot of fun. Uh and whatever Ult- else happened this week in the news.
2: Ultimate style is also the, the types of uh tweets that Kale looks for on his uh sex Twitter burner. <laughs> right. Wow. Also my right. five guys ordered. Call back.
0: Okay. Well, let's call back to Immoral X-Men. I wish we could call back to when this series was good. Uh this Yikes. Is... right out the gate. This well, listen, I'm just saying, you know, we haven't been enjoying this for a while so uh you know uh this is of course by kieran gillen written by kieran gillen paco medina on the pencils uh we got inks by walden wong and victor alazaba uh j david ramos and chris sotomayor on colors and clayton cows did the letters this is the first issue of Immoral that will take place in the Sins of Sinister event. So this is the year 10 issue. Um I I uh I missed the Nightcrawler's review. You guys didn't care for that too much, right? You missed the review, but you yeah, got the gist of it. So. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um I think that was maybe better than this, wow, interesting. Oh, I, I prefer- think the other way right. Um, there were aspects of this that I liked, but there were just some like I was confused about whose narration it was at first. Yeah. like yeah, i too- I yeah, they he's got to get a handle on that. It, it's not even interesting trying to think about whose it might be. It's more just cumbersome. Like, mm-hmm. what was confusing about that? Especially early on in the narration, I wasn't sure whose it was because it felt like it could have been Xavier's. But I was like, maybe it's Emma's. There were times I thought maybe it was Sinister's. Mm-hmm. So it was very confusing. What tipped me off on it, I think it's really the only way you'll know, is
2: the first narration box has Emma's logo on it. It has a diamond, like a actual diamond in it. Mm, yeah. Um, but other than that, it's just a white narration box. So it's like, uh, oh
0: my god, that's the that's the faintest, it's, it's thing. The faintest yep. thing. It's the faintest thing. It's like, mean, a come blue, on, yeah. But don't you think it's a problem when? 100 Yeah. It when the narration what the fuck? of a series that has the same characters in it every issue, you can't tell who the narrator is just by how they're talking or what they're saying.
3: Mm, the voice
0: isn't there. Yeah. That's that's not good. That's it's a big real issue. big problem.
2: It's a big issue in this too because everyone is a sinister clone, so everyone's kind of channeling yeah. sinister in a way. Right. Um, yeah. I do think it sounds like Emma, but it sounds like an Emma we haven't really heard in years, you know. I thought it
0: I thought it sounded like an inversion of prof- wh- what Professor Xavier was saying in the last issue. So I was like, okay, maybe this is how he thinks now that he's uh sinisterized it's like the venomized event <laughs> yeah yeah
3: it, it only took me off when on that third page when emma's there and it's like charles is so soft it's on her side and she's looking at him mm. That i'm like oh this could i didn't notice the the diamond either it was only at that point i'm like oh this is probably emma in that case because she's they're in the same scene she's reflecting on what just happened Right. Otherwise, I think to your point, there's uh, it's not as e- easily distinguishable.
0: Eventually, you do, of course, realize this is a this is an Emma Frost issue, and you come around to understanding whose narration it is. But I, I do think uh, I do think that you know some tightening up could be done, especially because this isn't the only time this series has had that problem. But um, that being said, there is a lot of sinister here, of course. Now Sinister needs to try to think this problem through cuz he just doesn't have access to the Moira clones anymore. He's got to figure out what to do about this. And who better to talk to than himself I'm about not. this? Uh, you know what? It's kind of weird as much as I hate Sinister right now and I use that word deliberately cuz that's really how I feel. Uh, I did not I did not hate this scene.
1: For me, that was the best part of the issue. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah.
3: Weirdly, two sinisters was <laughs> the key to our problem. <laughs> they they negate each other. You got a negative and a negative makes a positive.
0: And I think part of what helped was that I actually felt sympathy for the fresh clone. Oh so obviously oh, I knew he was gonna be killed. Yeah. And yeah. And I was like, damn, that sucks. He's he only exists just to be a you know uh uh just to be spoken to no, but no, we know no. they all have personalities they're real to them mm. to themselves so i felt bad for him that highlighted sinister's cruelty that behind all the machinations and stupid jokes he's actually an awful person he doesn't he doesn't care about anything human life is irrelevant or life i should say is irrelevant mm. i think i think it uh, I I didn't care
1: about that Sinister the clone yeah. the other clone Sinister uh because he was fodder um and listening to our sinister talk it out I started I I kind of started to hang out with him and feel for him because uh he's as annoyed with himself as well, himself as in the the other Sinisters. He's annoyed at the character of Sinisters the way we are.
2: I, I, I feel <laughs> like this entire event is just a Sinister story, and it's him coming to terms with his own issues. You know? And like, mm. what, his, like, because there's no actual, there's no growth for any of these characters besides Sinister, really. Because of the nature of the event. It's gonna be reset, but I think Sinister keeps his memory. Like there are backups for certain things, so like maybe he'll have some forward momentum. Yeah, but I can't guarantee anyone else will. Um, now this book was a little like a really like the cover alone is a hint as to what you're getting in it, but it really leans into like Emma being a, like this like dominatrixing evil scene chewing villain version of Sinister. Boy, in the
1: in a cheese ball way yeah it's not yeah. it's
2: not subtext at all it's Dom text really any if anything yeah. um yeah. you know, she <laughs> sleeps next to a St Andrews cross, apparently uh, <laughs> it's just like she talks about you know like uh sinisters kinks and I'm like, all right, Karen what do you what are you trying to get yeah. get get out of this <laughs> it's,
1: it, it was so much that it was like i I gotta tell you this is not
2: enjoyable yeah it was um. Uh, and it's a bummer, too, because I think this is our Immortal X-Men Emma POV issue, because we've never gotten one in Immortal X-Men, right? We did. We did. Yeah, okay. we did. Yeah.
3: Right, it's yeah, like yeah. the second second issue or something.
2: Okay. Yeah, I lost track. Pretty early on. But,
0: um, uh, Yeah. I,
3: go ahead, Marco. Go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say it was a good bit when all the Scots came out, and uh she's just like, oh, easy. I can handle these.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that was good. I really like the idea that sins of sinister is us seeing the hell of sinister's hell, basically a hell of his own creation. His machinations have gotten himself to the point where he is now in hell. And that hell is himself. Everyone is him. He hates himself. He's trying to figure out how to beat himself, but he can't because he can't think outside of himself. So anything that he would do, the clones would figure out because they are him. I think that's really smart. And so I do want to give everybody involved credit for that. Um, I just don't like Sinister right now. And so I'm having a hard time swallowing this. And I do think some of this is just sort of painful. Like, it's it's some of it is sort of rough. Um, I don't... I read Nightcrawlers and Sins of Sinister back-to-back, back, so I, I apologize if I'm uh miscrediting this book with this, but there are jokes that Sinister's telling to himself, you know, like little jokey comments or things inside the um the uh the information pages. And I'm just like I come on man. You're you're telling you're telling yourself jokes. I mean mm. I do that all the time. Yeah but you're weird. <laughs>
2: I I think the what took me out was the hope characterization. And I know like they write it off saying, you know, like oh, she's a little messed up cuz she doesn't clone correctly. Um yeah.
0: yeah. Uh that was just like no, that's not her in any in any way. Is that ever her? Right. Mm-hmm. I liked l- let me talk about another thing I really liked. I liked the nasty boys reference. That was cool. Uh that's sinister's like team his villain team. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that them being here, that was kind of cool. Very unexpected. Were they the Cyclops people? Yeah, the Cyclops yeah, people. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I thought I thought that was cool. And I again, I'm enjoying the idea of sinister. This event being all about sinister bringing about his own comeuppance. So okay, fine, but where is this going to go? That's my curiosity right now. I'm back in. Even though I did not love this issue. And I think I liked Nightcrawlers more. I'm back in.
1: I felt a lot more of the time skip with this one, surprisingly, than I did Nightcrawlers. Mm. Um, And I liked that better. I felt a bit more grounded. And I'm kind of excited that in the next... Excited is... You know, I use that word liberally. Uh, you know, the next Sins of Sinister issue is a hundred years in the future. Right. I, I I like this time jump situation.
2: Yeah, I think no. how they execute that will be whether or not I enjoy this event entirely. Because um, we've only seen the year 10 so far in the three books. Storm and the Birds of the Mutants, Nightcrawlers, and Immortal X-Men. So that's the real shtick of it is those time jumps. So we'll, we'll see where that goes.
3: Didn't we get 100 or something in one of the first ones? Like
2: the alpha, the synth- yeah, Sinister right? number one. Yeah, that's okay. I'm.
3: Yeah, I don't know. I'm. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> this This isn't. This isn't the X Men in, in the way that I want to see them. Like I want I want to get back to Krakoa. I don't necessarily care for what Sinister's doing and the way he's doing it. I want to see more of the the people and the mutants, and which is why Wolverine is still solid for me. It's like a character within the world, and I'm happy to just follow that character at this at this point.
0: How did you guys feel about the notion? And again, I I, I might be. You know, conflating issues because I, of when I read them, but the notion that Sinister is that there's a part of him that's maybe redeemable and useful. I mean, yeah,
3: he's probably going to be useful down the road, especially if they continue with these. With reviving people through these genetics and through these mutation, like through the powers that get encoded from you know uh, Professor X, and uh, I think they're still going to need him as that redundancy because I don't know of any other character that can create the redundancy. Like that was that was his purpose was create the redundancy. Should something happen, they have a backup to their original plan. But I think he is too important of a Character within the structure and framework of the basis of Krakoa for him to be to disappear outright.
2: I mean, isn't it what they what they posit in this issue? The fact that you know, like Rasputin was like a blueprint in this, um, that he can make these like five power chimeras. Um, that's how the sinisters view him as you know, useful. Um, but are we just in a like a self perpetuating? Oxbox situation, or like this is how we always got to that level of oxbox, um, where Rasputin exists. Like mm. nothing's really changing. We're just seeing the inevitable outcome in a way. Right. Right.
0: Well, I was thinking, how could cause Sinister is a unique character in a positive way, in the sense that what makes him most useful is not a mutation. He's pretty unique in that sense. Hmm. You can't cuz we know that they can theoretically put another person like attach another personality to a body, right? So in my mind I'm like, well could they give the body of sinister the mind of just as a character don't get, you know, attached to this professor Xavier, right? That wouldn't yield a result because that's not why Sinister can do what he can do. Mm. He's a genius. He's a genuine genius. So can he be turned? Because if he could be turned, a a Sinister who genuinely wants to help is the greatest ally that the mutants could ever have outside of themselves. Mm. But how do we get him to that point? So I'm wondering. If maybe Sins of Sinister is a way to get Sinister to realize how much of a dick he is and actually turn him to the side of the mutants. And maybe that's why Destiny is letting this all play out, because she knows that in the end, he's going to end up on their side because he realizes that his way never works. That <laughs> he
3: just going to frustrate himself into submission? like Yeah cuz i that's... think
1: i think that's the, you know he he goes through all of those scenarios in the uh you know the the prologue or whatever you know where he's repeatedly trying to kill uh you know the quiet council and then finally one thing goes right and he gets it but now you know he's having to sort of relive the extended groundhog day mm-hmm. um yeah i think that makes complete sense i think uh that sort of lends credence to my theory i don't know if i've said it on the show but i i think that this will be the type of thing that ends where we began mm,
3: then i'd be frustrated because i but would like t- without uh with sinister's new on, knowledge. On, yeah. oh like new, like new knowledge this, this is on a, their side this
1: is an event that is happening who sinister and Sinister alone.
3: Interesting.
2: You know, I'm fine with that if that's the outcome. Do I need it to uh, span what twelve issues? <laughs> um and an event that disrupts the main story?
1: No. Yeah. <laughs> twelve the 12 issue thing I like. Uh taking over the entire X-line? I'm not crazy about. Yeah.
0: Hmm. I think if this if this does go that way. I'm happy with that. Um, Not to say that the event from a quality standpoint thrills me, but if that's the trajectory, then cool. Sure. But I think Kale's right in that it can't, it has to be something that only Sinister knows so that when he inevitably gets reset and gets back to that point where he enacts what leads to sins of sinister he makes the decision not to and that's why the rest of the x-books can't go on because they're all sort of stuck in that moment because from that moment you know that's like a, a pivotal point of change for these yeah. characters is what sinister will do so mm-hmm. Uh, I thought the Paco Medina art was pretty good. I really was freaked out by his depiction of the sinister clone melting that was horrifying. That was intense. That yeah. was cool. It's the really good.
2: second melting character we had this week. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah.
3: The, the Logan um, patch as a concept was real cool. That was cool. I want one of those. Yeah. That
2: was cool yeah. I, yeah that I, would, I thought I he that. was almost Art Adams in a way, in the way he drew Emma in a couple of the, the shots. I think there's that Based off that Emma and Sinister have in his lab, yeah. his Westchester lab, where it's like a close up shot of Emma. Like it looks very hard Adams. Yeah.
3: Yeah. I can see that. It was good. I think it was solid. No gripes. All effective. Good paneling. Good pacing. It didn't it did the work.
0: Yeah. Um I will pull this. I I would not.
3: But I think it is a I think it is a pull uh, for people who want to continue to follow this. I think I think it's good enough for that.
2: I was kind of mid on it, but pull for the cover. <laughs> uh, I overall, I I
1: I you know I'm fine to keep reading it for the show, but I think overall I'm a pass. I
0: cannot believe that I, the person who was the most annoyed by. All of the stuff that's been happening was sinister, and the only one with a pull on this book uh, proves you're, your mark. You're,
1: yeah, you're yeah. the markiest mark of all the marks. <laughs> you're you're more marky than marky mark. I
0: sold myself on the book, Kale. I, hey, <laughs> listen, you didn't sell the rest of us. <laughs> all right, not this week. Okay, well, Joshua Williamson is trying to sell us on his rendition of Superman in Superman Number One. Um, We've got, of course, the aforementioned Williamson, joined by Jamal Campbell on art, letters by Ariana Mayer. Now, it feels like we just read a Superman number one because Action Comics had their big sort of reset, refresh. Um, This is the actual genuine Superman number one. Not that a number one for Superman even means anything because it's just starting from wherever the creator is starting from yeah. um yeah. that being said I think that this is the second Superman book on the stands at the same time pretty remarkable in which I think the writer has a pretty solid handle on on Superman and his yeah. uh his his you know his group of characters this felt really good felt good and, and I think in my
2: whole time of reading comics I don't think there's ever been two creative teams at the same time doing two Superman books well.
0: Mm-mm.
2: You know what I mean? Like, simultaneously. Mm-hmm. So, like, uh, I feel like I'm kind of eating good right now.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. One thing I love about uh, uh, a good Superman book is that you'll get a li- just a little taste of a Clark Kent nugget. For me, it was that he likes to listen to music. Yeah. And it's like, oh, yeah, of course. That makes total sense. Especially, you know, as they keep having to kind of slide the timeline.
2: Um, My question, and, though, was rules. Was he did he have a Bluetooth headphones plugged into yeah. a CD player? Yep, what CD player did. has a USB slot? Listen,
3: surely it was a 3.5, but
0: it's a LexCorp exclusive. OK, uh, so, I mean, you, super I'm, core. We don't have it yet. Could be uh, a
3: special JLA thing that you
0: could know. be. Yeah,
3: <laughs> this was this was a lot of fun. Um, I think it read through with really just genuine moments, like the wedding, where he just, oh, uh, you don't have an efficient? Superman's an efficient. sure.
2: Of course why not? Yeah, of course he is.
3: Like like that. That's just perfect. And then, uh, and I liked the the concept of like SuperCorp and the way that. Lex is framing this now because as much as he is an antagonist when he's not in a in direct conflict, I think playing up some of that goofiness makes for a good Superman story or it makes for a good Superman beat in relation to uh Lex and Clark
2: and I also thought the way they did the the you know Lex essentially being the man in the chair for Superman yeah. Um, but it's a one-way kind of communication because Lex is just talking, and he knows Superman can hear him wherever Lex yeah. is. That's it's good. just a genius bit. Like, of course, Superman is always tuned into what Lex is saying. You know, why wouldn't he? And I thought that was great. Like, Lex knew it, and he can manipulate him as much as he wanted.
0: Mm-hmm. I think it's smart, but I found myself annoyed with it. Maybe Imagine it's because how Superman felt <laughs> right. That's fair. Um, I don't know. I... I had this problem with a couple of books where I felt this week, where I felt like there was just too many uh, word balloons on the pages and too many characters talking at the same time. Um, I just didn't care that Lex could do that. And I just didn't think it was not that it was unnecessary. I just didn't, I didn't like it. Um, mm-hmm. I understood mm-hmm. it. I get it, but I just didn't like it. Sure. Um, I've, yeah. I
1: personally found it to be a really interesting device. Yeah. Um, I would be really interested if it turns out that it wasn't Lex.
3: Oh, interesting.
0: Hmm.
3: Well, but, but yeah. we know that he was in communication with his assistant. Yeah. And by virtue of that, like at some point, they're like, oh, they, they, they were in communication about where he was and he's not going to make it to the prison and all that. So in the, I think it is confirmed him
2: and the cafeteria is Like, Hey, stop talking to yourself. So yeah, yeah, true. Yeah.
0: I like the fact that in the, uh, in the, in the daily planet, you know, Clark, when he's in his regular clothes, he looks like a Hulk. Yeah. And you know, that that's obviously Jamal Campbell um, taking some creative license, if you will. But you know, Superman is is a big guy. Like, that's how he's often portrayed. But I feel like a lot of times in the comics, he doesn't look that way when he's in his uh, civilian clothes. So I really appreciated that here. Like, he's just a massive teddy bear guy. He, he almost mm-hmm.
2: looks bigger as Clark Kent than he does as Superman. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. he just I, looks uncomfortable the, in, right. in his clothes. Like, even, I like, the way is. his tie looked. Like, his collar wasn't fully down. So you can yeah. see the, the tie all around. Like... He looks slovenly and messy. Um
1: It looked very uh Frank Frank quietly inspired to me. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs>
2: yep. Um, I loved Campbell's art, especially the way he drew yeah. uh Clark. I, I thought say. that was great. Yeah.
0: Yeah, Campbell was a great choice. Not that not that Campbell's art style is what you would traditionally expect from a Superman book, but that's exactly why it was a great choice. Because I think, you know, if we're doing something different, let's do something different. Um, and it has classic hallmarks to it. You know, like I I think there are things about this that remind me, like, for example, when Lois pops out, um, mm-hmm. you know, as the new chief of the Daily Planet, like that, I could see Perry in that pose. But yeah. it's her now. You know what I'm saying? Um, so I really appreciated that. How did you guys think about how did you guys feel about that shift, this new role for her? It's nice to see Lois doing something for once.
3: Damn. Time. <laughs> it was good. Uh, I th- I think it's a good progression for her. Like She's the top uh, journalist. It just makes sense that she would therein fall into this role or be chosen for this role, even though it's not permanent, seemingly. But um, I think for her to be that person for Perry to, re- to rely on makes a lot of sense, and I think she fits the role.
0: Yeah, I'm a little I'm a little bit uh unsure how I feel about it. I think obviously they want to give Lois something to do, but I think what she says about her being in the role is kind of how I feel, in the sense that I'd rather see her going out and doing things than being sequestered. Um it feels not appropriate for Lois. But I trust or I hope at least that Williamson has a plan for her. One thing I will say about Joshua Williamson as a writer, and I have a lot of good things to say about him, but in particular, he's great at, you know, digging down into what people like about a character or what's essential to a character and drawing that out. I think he did a great job with that on The Flash, and I think if this issue one is anything to go by, he's got that nailed down with Superman and the relationship between Superman and Lex. So I'm trusting him with Lois and everyone else as well. Overall, I think this was a banger.
2: Yeah. The other bit that I liked about it is we are one issue into Superman and we already see, you know, Lex and two of his other rogues gallery characters that like a live wire and parasite. Like I, when do we ever really see them? You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So this playing my book of the week. Uh, oh, it was it was okay. almost mine until I got to the next one.
1: Um, wow. Well. See, it's a toss-up between this one and the next one. and I oh. think this one edges out for me. Fair, this fair. one is mine as well.
2: But, like, I-, I love the Superman Rogues Gallery, and I never really get to read about them, yeah. honestly. Like, the most I see that- about them is, like, a Suicide Squad book, you know?
1: Yeah. And that uh, Parasite cliffhanger is mm-hmm. great.
2: Yeah. Like, I remember as a kid, like, right before I got into comics, uh, I used I-, I would go to, like, Six Flags, and I would go on the Superman roller coaster there and like the the line as you're waiting it just shows you all of his rogues gallery characters and I'm like oh these guys are freaking awesome who are these guys but like I would never get to read about them so like it's always been something I wanted so seeing that in this I was I was pretty hyped for it
0: yeah this is a home run definitely pull uh if you yep. if you're a superman fan this is probably the best time for you uh if you're not I think that you should jump on board I've never enjoyed superman more than i am right now so worth picking up uh
3: the last thing on it was just i enjoy that the twist is not villains for superman but villains for lex like that is a good twist on that's uh, interesting like, yeah like a classic because oh we're gonna go through superman's Rose gallery no actually what is lex's look like all right in
0: Speaking of rogues, let's talk about uh, the series that's been highlighting Batman's rogues. We got Batman, One Bad Day, Clayface number one. This was the listener pick this week. I think uh, I think the listeners got it right. It would be a weird one if we did not review one of these One Bad Day specials. Is that all of them? Have we reviewed all of them? No. We Thus got, far we have. We've got Raj Al Ghul coming up next Mm -hmm.
2: And
1: I think that's the last one. I think so, yeah. I think this is seven of eight.
0: Damn, I wish there's no killer moth one. No, just just give us the Mad Hatter, please. (laughs) Uh, Colin Kelly and Jackson Lansing on this. Not sure how much DC work they've done, but uh, I think Mm -hmm. this is the first of it that I would have read in any of them.
1: Quite a bit, quite a bit. I think they did uh, a whole Batman Beyond. Oh, that's uh, right. Oh, that's yeah, right. yeah, yeah, I mean, you see it fairly recently, I think.
0: Yeah. Yep. They've been uh, around. We got uh, Zermanico on the art here, and Romulo Fajardo Jr. on colors. Tom Napolitano on the letters. Clayface is one of my favorite villains in comics. Easily one of my favorite Batman villains. Most people would say he's a D lister. In my mind and heart, this is an A list villain. I think that this One Bad Day Clayface might just be my favorite of the One Bad Day books so far. I think this shit was fire. I mm-hmm. think that these two writers nailed who Basil Carlo is. And they managed to tell a story that works on several different levels. There are layers to this. Uh They... This was fantastic, and if you don't give Zermanico all his flowers right now, for the way that he showed off Clayface's transformations, yeah. good. Please, he, let's go. Sean, who was the he, letterer? Oh, this was uh, this was Napolitano, Tom Napolitano. But Flowers yes. him too. Like yes, yeah, one hundred percent. The
1: the transformations that Zermanico pulls off feel as liquid and fluid as watching it on the animated series
3: yes
2: mm. oh nice yes love fluids yeah um i i'm i'm sean did you ever read the riddler one did you ever get to it yes yeah okay. we talked about it um uh, oh yeah and that that segment we used to do um <laughs> i think this is my favorite one out of all, all of them um it did exactly what i wanted the i think it did what the premise is really it made yes. a definitive one-shot story.
1: Okay, all right, let's get into it. I disagree.
2: I still disagree.
1: Okay. I Just, think this is a bad day for Clayface,
2: but this isn't the one. I mean, there's only like five, so. <laughs> I, I so I I like that. I like how it's like right. they okay. they they took it out of Gotham. You know, they did what I always thought would be smart yeah. with Clayface and bring him to L.A. It's a bit of Barry, it's a bit of La La Land, but it's really dark. <laughs> um. I, I enjoyed it. I love how it's kind of a, it it, it does that. It tells a good, decent Basil Carlo, like coming to terms with him, not really being anyone, but being able to be anyone at the same time. He's a nobody that can be everybody. Um, And, but it also plays with the idea of movies and comic book movies. There's a, there's a slight little jab at Zack Snyder in this Um, uh, and how everything needs to be. You know, IP and and everything needs to have, you know, uh, uh, sequel value and stuff. Uh, I thought that was great. Um, Just the idea of like Basil having to be this younger actor trying to make it in L.A. So he's a he's a waiter for most of the book. Um, I love that. I love that. You know, it builds a supporting cast. You like you feel for, but, you know, they're fucked Um, because deep down, you know, Clayface is a monster. Um, and it leans into that. I, I really, really like this.
0: Yeah, this is my pick of the week.
1: Tim? I I like this a lot. I think this is second only to the Riddler. I This was very, very strong, especially compared to the rest. But for me, it's the same notes as every other Clayface story. There are only five, like you say, <laughs> but it's the same thing. It's expanded out just a little bit. It's very stylistically well done, sure, but, but I, it's it's still you know that story. It feels when, like a much. When more was the last one. take on it, though?
2: It, it feels I, like a... that. Hey, listen, that's not part of my argument. <laughs> uh, that, but, I can't argue with that. But I think it feels like a a much more modern take on it. Like it's a very it's very of yeah. the times, you know. Like the fact that it ends with him in in an uh, Arkham cell, I guess, um, mm-hmm. talking to himself really and all the people that he's killed throughout the issue, and it's just a mm-hmm. peer feedback session, like an acting class. Oh, I thought it was mm-hmm. like that was a a, a, a a bow on the top of this one shot. Uh
0: man, it's shit, I might buy this physically. <laughs> <laughs> there was so much to love in this book. Man. Yeah, yeah. Like they they've really honed in on on what you can do when you identify who a character is. Like the fact that this yeah. works on on multiple levels. I love the fact that every everything Clayface thinks he has to have in order to succeed ultimately fails. So like he wants to be in this movie, so he goes to try out. They tell him no because they don't like the way he, he did it. So he's like, oh, I'll become my best friend to, to to take on this role. But then it's like, no, they don't want the way you want to do it at all. Man. So then he becomes the director to make it so that they have to make the movie. But the director doesn't have enough power because the guy over him is saying we're not making the movie. So then he kills that guy. and And then when he runs everything, he runs into Batman. Yeah. So there's just always something keeping him down, which I really loved. It, it's the, him.
3: He uh, he's keeping himself down because he just can't get it through that. Like that they ha- he has to relinquish himself at some point to what somebody else is going to dictate. But he he can't take that as an he can't take that no.
2: And and the fact that like he's also auditioning for it looks like the movie version of the Killing Joke. I thought was a yeah. good little bit. Yeah. Um, the just the the idea of the setting too. It's just the fact that it, it's always sunny, and it's only when things get really bad does the the night come. And as soon as it turns into night, Batman shows up. Right. Um, and I thought that that slow build towards towards it getting darker and darker and darker until the actual dark night shows up um, was again like just great, greatly paced too. Um, Batman has a, a a Ghostbusters trap for for Clayface just at the ready Yo. apparently. He was sick.
0: And I love, again, the fact that, like, you know, yeah, this dude is a nut. He, re- he really is a nut. But there's an aspect of him that we can all relate to. It's like, ah, if only my boss would see my vision, like, why don't you understand? And you can imagine that as an actor, the person who has to bring a character to life, you probably feel like you know best. So who's this director, or who's this casting agent, or whatever, to tell me what I know? If only I was in charge of directing this and I had control, this would be amazing. It'd be a hit. And maybe you're right. You know, writers think they're right. They think they know better than than the editors and the people who are above the editors in the big two. But they don't get to. They don't get to make that argument. You know. Uh, but what if they could? And so this this feels like that to me. Um, I really love it. And I felt bad for Basil. And yeah. it wasn't until, this is so weird. It wasn't until Batman said, and Basil gives this amazing performance. He's crying in the rain. He's talking yeah. about, you know, how unfair life is and everything else. And Batman snaps him to reality and he says, nine people you yeah. killed. Yeah. That's the only thing that matters. And then I went, "Whoa! What was I sucked into?" Of course, this dude is an asshole. He just killed nine people. Yeah. I was convinced. I he's, bought
2: it. He's doing like a Rutger Howard uh, and a uh, Blade Runner sort of thing there. Yeah. yeah.
0: Batman is the answer to. Every one of his villains. Clayface put on a performance that sold me after I just watched him catch nine bodies. And Batman <laughs> cut right through that and said, no, you sucked to jail with you.
2: Yeah. And also like the the other like cool little bit in it in this is the uh, the screenplay that is really the script of the book. Intercut <laughs> yeah. Here. yeah. Yeah. I thought that was really fun. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I loved everything about this. No notes. Wha- uh,
3: Tyler I was going to ask, why are there some that are highlighted yellow?
2: I I assumed that is somebody reading, like, that, you know, it's like actor, they'll highlight things Mm. that they, Mm. you know, that jump out to them. Like if you're reading a a book and you're making annotations and stuff. Sure,
3: okay. yeah Um, Sometimes
2: your lines are highlighted as well in a script.
3: Mm.
1: Dan Trudeau says, it's like on The Sopranos, you start liking Tony and then feeling for him, and then he does something to remind you that he's a monster. 100%.
2: Yep. I've not seen The Sopranos except for one episode where he takes his daughter uh college searching. College, yes. Uh, I watched Arguably it. Arguably the best. Yeah, I watched it in a, a history of TV class.
0: Of course you did, because yeah. that is the only episode of The Sopranos that they would use for a class of that nature. Um, although I, The Sopranos, the greatest show of all time. But anyway, it made me watch a Breaking um, Bad episode too. So, God, I'm tired of you and your lack of watching good television. Um, Man has all the time in the world for drag race, but none of it for the Sopranos. Yeah. Yeah. Gotta watch people serve cunt.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It it stands for charisma, uniqueness, nerve, and talent, Sean. All right.
1: Sean, Sean was like Emma Frost there. He wrapped that chain around Tyler's neck and locked him there. And Tyler said, okay, hey, take a Tyler to drag race. He's going to cunt it up.
0: <laughs> what is happening? Is that, is that, never mind. You know what? Let's just duck Look. walk to the next book. Uh, this book was fantastic. I think it was worth every dollar and cent. I'm actually thinking about reading it again because of how much I enjoyed it. Uh, Zermanico's art is phenomenal. The way he draws Clayface is so 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 good. Um, he doesn't just look like a lump of shit. Um, That's a problem. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> uh, man, give me the movie. Give me the Clayface movie. I need it. This proves need it. that it's possible. You know. Um, and also
2: like uh the Gray Ghost reference in this, I was like,
0: yeah, love that too. Yeah, mean. fantastic. Yeah,
2: this is brilliant stuff. Pick of the week. Uh Sean, there was a highlighted message. You want to read that real quick? Oh, let me see.
0: <laughs> nope, not on me. <laughs> I'll pass the buck on that one. You will not get me saying that word on this show. Well, it stands for something. Charisma. So go ahead and read it.
2: Nerve and talent.
0: What was it, Tyler?
2: Charisma, unique uniqueness. I can't say that word. Nerve and talent, Marco. Serve that. I forgot already what the C was. <laughs> all right. All right. Never mind. All right. You want to get to the next book? Oh,
0: <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about Junkyard Joe number five. This is by uh, Jeff Johns, Gary Frank, and Brad Anderson. In my opinion, the best creative team in comics right now. Um, this book picks up on where we left things off. Uh, the kids are in danger the uh the goons the government goons are trying to find junkyard joe and now they've got the kids and uh shit's going to hit the fan yet again i think another another phenomenal issue from junkyard joe i think this was really strong as well um we know that junkyard joe has some level of ptsd mm-hmm based on his war experience and we see him having actual flashbacks in this issue, which, you know, I don't even know how that's possible, but I love that it happened anyway, because it connects me more closely to junkyard Joe. And it opens up my mind to again, what is possible for this character's mind, quote unquote, for lack of a better phrase. Um, I'm I'm way into Junkyard Joe as a character. Yeah, I
2: was a little worried that uh, you know with only being one more issue left, like I, w- I wasn't sure where the story was going. You know, but after this, I'm I'm pretty I'm like all right, no no, this it can have a clean ending by by next issue, at least for this story. I don't think Junkyard Joe is gonna, his story is going to end. I mean, it doesn't because you know we have this in Geiger, but um, yeah. I thought it was I thought it was a a, a, a good issue. It's uh. The, I w- the whole issue, I was like, oh, you know, this is kind of what I expected. It's good. You know, it's 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 pretty pretty much standard for this team, like a damn good book. And then that last twist at the end, where, where it's, uh, I guess, spoiler for it, you know, spoiler. Where's my spoiler alert button? Is that still working? Oh, yeah, that works. Okay. Um, they pretty much said, oh, yeah, Junkyard Joe kills everyone he comes into contact with. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and I'm like, oh, boy. All right. Let's see this ending.
0: Oh, that we already know that's not true, do we? Junk, Junkyard Joe didn't kill the Vietnam soldiers,
3: no, but I think, I think that depending on like where the situations that he's been put in, yeah. uh, into, with I assume guns and guards, all that stuff, for them, he has killed everybody. But realistically, outside of that, if you're not armed, he's probably not going to do a thing. But so I'm then- assuming.
0: That yeah. would make it not true. <laughs> no, for sure. I, I, right. I For
3: for them, yeah. that's all the information they have in right. with respect to that context. Sure.
2: And, and I thought it was like, oh, they decommissioned him for a reason. Like maybe something, it just got, you know, too much for him. Like they need, didn't clear his cash out or something. So um, <laughs> it just overwhelmed and he just started, you know, fritzing by the end. He also
1: didn't kill that hunter with the gun. Right. He viciously maimed him, but he didn't, he he didn't kill him.
0: Kill him.
2: Yeah. I mean, I don't think that was a
0: I don't think that was a cliffhanger that worked. It didn't work for me if the goal was to get me to fear for the family. Yes. Because I think we already know, based on what we've seen, that Junkyard Joe is not a murderer like that. Um, It worked for me in the sense that we know that they're taking this seriously, and they're probably going to send more goons than just the ones we see in this issue to get Junkyard Joe. Given we know that he ends up back in government control, that throws the end result of this series up in the air. I read this as a, I read this as the guys that are, are attacking Junkyard Joe
2: right now is a third party. Yes. And the government was at the end saying, oh, yeah, these guys didn't even know Junkyard Joe existed until recently, and now they're after him because they got control over these files and stuff that's
3: yeah that's the way that i read it and i think that they come along and finish people off if that makes sense
2: yeah i just think it's going to lead to like a like a a three-way standoff that is just not going to end well for anyone involved yeah it's going to be a mess i mean i can't wait to see it i can't wait to see the gary frank uh you know drawing that
0: yeah um junkyard joe is a like it's just remarkable how complicated this character feels, and I'm bummed that this book is coming to a close, and we don't really know when or how we're gonna see him again. Because of the way the timeline of this all works out, we know we're gonna be getting a Geiger um uh special, but that appears to be telling Geiger stories, not necessarily a story about Junkyard Joe. Um yeah. Other than that, I mean, there's not like a ton that happens in this issue in terms of, you know, it, it's really just those main beats. The the family's in trouble. The dad finds out money's under money's been attacked. He's laid out on the ground. Um, and now it's just about getting the kids back. I f- I'm, I'm excited to see how this wraps up. I'm glad, though, that it's not going to be too much longer because I like the fact that this is a sort of shorter self-contained story. We talked about how it reminds us of ET. Um mm-hmm. and I think if this were too long and unwieldy, it would lose that feeling. So yeah. I'm I'm pretty happy this is wrapping up. I'm I've gotten what I need. And it's gonna leave me wanting more, but maybe at a different point in time. And I think that's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Toplin oh to Plan Kingdom says maybe there's a brain in there I assume that's in reference to Junkyard Joe. I hadn't considered that, but I don't think so. But it's possible. Right?
1: Maybe the the
0: you know the the the
1: message as far or the theme as far as that goes is, you know, uh this PTSD that he's going through is even stronger than his programming.
0: Right. Yeah. And I mean, dude, it's just so crazy how the Junkyard Joe character is a representation of what happens to people in war. Like you get built. Junkyard Joe was built to do this. What do they do to you in war? Basic training. They break you down. They build you up to do a job. But then once that job is done, they send you back where you came from and you've been made into this thing that now there's no use for. That's exactly what Junkyard Joe is. Um yeah. It's tragic. It is tragic. I I love this. If Superman wasn't so good or not Superman. If Clayface wasn't <laughs> so good this would have been my pick of the week. Um it's great. Still great.
3: Always consistent.
0: Yeah. Pull. Yep, pull. Pull. Uh yep. Yep. All right. Let's get to Black Cloak number 2. Kelly Thompson, who we uh just had the Good fortune to have on the show a couple weeks ago. Check that interview out if you haven't. Art and Colors by Meredith McLaren. Letters by Becca Carey. So the first issue of Black Cloak was very long. It It was a long book, but it did a lot of the heavy lifting in terms of introducing us to the characters and the issue, the problem of this series, why the book exists. But now we are past that point, and now we're in the you know, where does this go? Where are we going? Uh, how's this gonna move forward? Um, and I thought this was a pretty good second step. Um, I don't know that I enjoyed it quite as much as the first issue, but the first issue also had a lot more room and things like that. Um nothing that I necessarily didn't like about it. It's just not it didn't it didn't do as much. For, it didn't have as much forward momentum as the first one did. It,
2: it It's strangely a very quiet book. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 Um, And I like that because of it. You know, after reading Superman and, you know, reading Clayface, you know, like, they have something that's a little more, like, slower paced, Um, even though it's in this giant fantasy world. Uh, you know, there's one guy is made out of clouds, this other guy looks like Dr. Phosphorus, you know. Yeah. Um, It's a... Quiet and slow-paced book that's very character-based, um, even a bit procedural.
3: Yes, yeah. yeah. Which, which I think, in contrast to the first issue, makes sense, right? Like you want to uh, pump the brakes a little bit, start to get into some of the the detective work, and uh, especially after after some of the the faster pace in that first issue, th- this felt good. This felt like a a, a good, not reset, but. Uh, Good momentum carried from the first issue into the second issue to be able to establish ourselves now in the world more so than we already did.
2: yeah and there, in terms of the writing, I think the pacing has been the the real uh, uh, star of mm. the series so far because um, i don't th- I don't think it's an easy thing to pace this especially you know this way. You know it's it, matching the pacing with the world building, I think is tricky. But I think Kelly's actually kind of nailing it so far.
0: Yeah, that's an interesting point. Um, I think I think giving Phaedra a personal connection to the crime mm-hmm. is really smart. She's the nexus point for everything that's going on. The royal family, the victim. She's a, you know, a detective. She's a part of everything that's happening and an integral part. So as her story moves forward. And as they do the world building, the plot moves forward. Mm -hmm. So it's really smart, uh, multi-layer storytelling um, by Kelly Thompson, where by the end, she's learning critical information that she's personally invested in because we know that this guy who was murdered is her former lover. So she's got skin in the game. I thought that was really good.
2: Yeah, I mean, but I think the real star of the show is the Meredith McLaren art. Holy hell. <laughs> um, it's good. It's real good. Yeah. I, there, There's just one panel that jumps out to me. It's in the flashback, which I think the way uh, Becca Carey colors the flashback and these like blues and pinks, um, very pastel colored, um, but only like maybe three different colors. Um, but there's that one where she's like poking him and it kind of looks like a, uh, almost like a Street Fighter move, where you can see all her different arms because it's the movement of her poking them. <laughs> the little uh, jabs that was like very well done. It's like good cartooning. Um, but then like the 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 final page we get where we're in this like flyers only area of the city. Yeah, it looks bonkers there, and I was pretty pretty hyped for it.
3: Yeah, I think the the art does a lot. To I, I remember in the first issue I would mentioned it felt webtoonish and like not in a. Uh, like derogatory way necessarily, mm-hmm. but it's, it, it's, it's simple. It's clean. There's not all, uh, for the character models. There's not always a lot of detail. Um, but for the backgrounds, there's, there is a lot like to your point, Tyler, on that sign, you have this design that sits right above the no flyers. You get to see some of the architecture and structure. The tree yeah. has depth to it in the back. And then she's just, you know, a few, uh, a few colors. You don't see a, a face necessarily. The hands aren't built out to detail. Um, so it's a good contrast
2: It's a good point because it is a very flat art, but mm-hmm. there's depth to mm-hmm. it. Um, yeah. I think the colors really do some heavy lifting there that i that I think is it it it's noticeable
0: yeah uh, in a good way. An important thing about this book is that from an art standpoint is that yeah i I agree it looks like webtoon and I think that um you know I've seen a lot of things like this, you know, just being on the internet. And it's simple in that sense. But if you go to a comic book store and you look at the Western comic section, which is, you know, the large majority of a comic book store, and you pick up any book, you won't you will highly unlikely will you pick up a book that looks like this? It's just it's just gonna not really happen. And when you have art this unique. And you have writing that's this strong, I think you have a hit. I think that I think that's a recipe for success. And I think, um yeah. I was gonna say it carries into the cover too. I think
2: it has the cover design is great.
0: Yeah. It it's always a the set first panel.
2: Look to it. Yeah, yeah. Um and it it uh it's striking, you know, it's like I think the last time an image book did this was I don't did you guys ever read Shudder? No. Yeah, man, I love Shudder. Shudder was I, I was going through my that comics lately and book. I and I and I found Shudder. Um gorgeous book. But I think it's 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 similar in this. A crazy big world yeah. building. Um, but there's a set cover design that made every cover pop, but also like you can kind of see it in the colors. It's almost like a goosebumps book in a way. You know, you get yeah. your little your little window there with the art that tells you what's going on in the issue, but then there's some color coding there with the the frame of it all. Um, yeah, I'm a sucker for some clean, you know, cover art like this. You know, after reading um, shit, Sins of sinister, you get your know, giant barcode here, you get you know the yeah. banner there, and it's really off-centered. Like I was looking at the cover for the thumbnail, of the 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 video of this, and I'm like, man, this is just not a very good balanced cover.
0: Black cloak, fucking great cover. Yeah. I definitely say pull. Yeah, I'm still very very intrigued. By this world and this story.
2: 100%. Same. Pull.
0: It feels good to like it. Dude, yeah. you're,
2: you've been sleeping on Kelly Thompson
0: too long. Yeah, I didn't realize it. I'm glad that you all woke me up. <laughs> hey. So those are the books. If you want us to review a book next week that you are really interested in, or it doesn't have to be next week. It could be a week in advance. Just let us know yeah. about what book that is. And if we want to, we'll add it to the listener poll. And then you can head to Twitter every Saturday, hopefully, after the show, and you can vote for which book you think we should review. I have to remind you, the listeners, undefeated. Pretty good. I have pulled. I have. It's been my pick of the week, at least mine, every single week. Since we started the listener poll. Every week for uh you didn't miss every a week. single week.
3: I missed the week last week. I wasn't there. Doesn't count.
0: Yeah. Um oh wow. Even the purgatory shit, huh? That first okay. issue, yeah. Was well. it not? I even put I, I made it my pick of the week the second because that the second issue was not that good, but the rest of the week just was always oh, like, bad. Dude, yeah, right. they right, they, yeah. they
2: listened to our feedback. They got cover credits now on the on the next issue. It mm-hmm. so. <laughs> took them long enough. Imagine. I'm wondering if somebody actually listened to us for that. Uh oh,
0: it's not impossible, Tyler.
2: Not impossible. Improbable, but no. Indeed. Well, listen, we've got uh,
0: ears in higher places than you would think. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. That is true. Well. We also want to let you guys know what books we're looking forward to next week. And we call this segment palace polls, Tyler, take it away. So I am pulling hollows Eve. Number one,
2: uh, it's by Erica, Schultz, Erica Schultz and uh, Michael Dowling. This is a mini. I'm not sure exactly the status of the book, but it's a new book based on uh, Ben Riley's wife, um, gaining these new powers where, um, she's kind of this anti-hero villain. But her whole thing is she has these old school, like Halloween, almost like Halloween 3, the movie, masks that she puts on and gives her different powers. So she'll put on, you know, a werewolf mask and she turns into a werewolf. But on a Frankenstein mask and she turns into Frankenstein's monster and it's like a little burly. Um, really weird, but uh, kind of a fun character. So I'm curious to see how they uh, give her her own thing going on. Is
0: there anyone in the Spider-Man books that just doesn't have powers? It's just a regular person. <laughs> Yona, uh, he's got the Spider Slayer armors, so I guess that. Right. Uh, yeah. Aunt May.
2: Oh, I'm just about to say that. He he's was Silver Surfer. Hot. Oh, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> and a power of uh, hotcakes too.
3: Yeah, wow. Wheat
2: cakes. Um, wheat cakes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then I also wanted to check out Cosmic Ghost Rider number one. So. That new one. Yeah. So that—that's what I said, and I was like, "All right, really?" And then I saw it was by Stephanie Phillips and Juan Cabal, and I was like, <laughs> "Okay." Yeah. You know what? Pick. You might have gotten me. You might have gotten me with that one. Um, so yeah, creative team alone on this was like, all right. Mm. Yeah, I'll I'll check this out. Um, the character's fine. It's Frank Castle, who's, you know, from the far future, who's gone crazy and becomes his ghostwriter, which apparently just turns him into Deadpool. I hope they kind of get away from that a bit in this. But um, I like space Marvel stuff. So uh, Sean, to no surprise to anyone, you're picking up a uh, human target. Number 12.
0: This is it. This is it. The who done it is done, and now all that is left is to wrap things up. I am hoping that the creative team of Tom King and Greg Smallwood can stick the landing. I have a hard time thinking of a reason why they wouldn't. Yeah, because of how stellar this has been the entire time. But uh, you better believe we will be reviewing this on the show next week. Yeah,
3: <gasps> I'm not here. Typical Bronco. Oh.
0: Uh, speaking of Margot,
2: Sergeant Rock versus Arming of the Dead, number six.
3: Yes, this is the end of the six-issue mini. Anything from DC Horror has been just solid, and uh, I'm—I think two issues behind on this, so I'm on issue four. Easy Company has come across and is trying to kill Zombie Hitler, and uh, it's just bonkers. So. I'm having a fun time. Anytime I can see more Sergeant Rock, please give it to me.
2: You're, you're bearing the lead here. It's Eduardo Riso on art. That's.
3: That's, that's good very stuff. good art. Very, very yeah.
2: good art. That's some good stuff. Yeah. It's written by Bruce Campbell too. So yeah. Yeah. Probably Ramy, Army of the Dead, <laughs> Evil Dead types. That's your thing. Yep. Uh, and Marco and Kale wanted to check out Phantom Road number one. Ooh, let's go Kale. Oh, listen,
1: Jeff Lemire and Gabriel Walter. Come on. Yep. Like I wasn't going to pick this up. <laughs> Uh, so this is about a, uh, a long-haul truck driver who is attempting to stay ahead of his tragic past. Uh, he picks up a, a a woman named Birdie, and on a midnight run, it becomes a frantic journey to survive a, a, a surreal world. Uh, uh, the solicit says it's grindhouse horror meets high-concept supernatural fantasy
2: i Yep.
0: Easy. That's cool.
2: Uh and Kale, you also had a, a omnibus you wanted to pick up. And oh. uh, now listen, I'm not I'm not an omnibus guy,
1: but uh the uh Ed Brubaker, Matt Fraction, Immortal Iron Fist stuff yeah. is uh releasing in omnibus form. And it is one of my all-time probably top three favorite books. Uh is so it really? I'm going to I don't know, sell my dog. Uh, <laughs> yeah, in stock so You get it half off,
2: half off. Even then it's still like 75 bucks, but still, that's...
1: Damn, that's still... Yeah. All right, so I'll sell my wife too, and that'll probably get
2: me there. <laughs> yeah. Um, I have been waiting for this to be reprinted in an omnibus yeah. since I've been reading comics, I think.
0: Me too. It's, it's I've always never read
2: been, it. It's I've always... Fa- I saw this at The Strand once as an omnibus when it was first, first printed, but it was mm. beat up. And like, I was like, Oh, I'm not going to spend money. on like, it looked ragged. Um, and it's been one more, more like, even like the deluxe editions have been hard to get. Really?
1: Yeah. Um, I, all, all of the copies of the trades that I have are marked down and probably water damaged. Really? <laughs> I, I like it that much. And, huh, jeez. I, I do. Yeah. And I've had to, um, uh, it was a drool I, joke, Sean. That was a drool joke. All right. Mm-hmm. Oh, I get it. Yeah. Um, I've, uh, uh only just got the last volume I think last Christmas. So I got the first one when it came out and I
2: got the last one last year. Uh so it's a yeah a tough one to find. Uh Robotters in the YouTube chat says that he cradles his uh I'm gonna buy like a baby. Um and that's the right way to do it. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Can't have that spine crease. Yeah. Listen yeah. if
0: you if you need to like work on your muscles, work on anything like that, you can just read these boys. They're huge. <laughs>
2: I just, uh, uh, I lift two copies of uh, uh, Chris Ware's Building Stories. That's how I. Yeah. Yeah. Building muscles yeah. and building stories. Mm-hmm. Hey. Uh,
1: Aaron Ruiz asks if this is, Iron Fist is highly recommended. This is the only Iron <laughs>
0: Fist that's recommended. Carrie <laughs> uh, oh, Andrews' oh, one is okay. Oh, yeah. Andrews' no, Iron yeah, yeah. Fist was nuts. No, it was okay. good,
1: uh, but this is yeah. This one's top guy. Indeed, you get yeah. you get everything in this one.
2: This is what his lore is based on. Like this is yeah. the Iron Fist lore book. This is um, this. He was just uh, a kung fu guy before this, really.
1: This is like proto fraction Hawkeye.
2: Yeah, Aha is on it too. Yep. Yeah, is, Travel Foreman uh... uh... too, I believe. Pardon? I think Travel Foreman worked on something as well. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Is Luke Cage in this?
0: bits very very uh little i love the fact that whenever one of them has a book they're all sort of in it yeah like luke jessica iron fist like the seinfeld crew yeah
1: Yeah. this this one is more about danny meeting the older fists um Mm -hmm. and that's like the majority of the cast okay Um, so Luke is in, I want to say the first issue and
2: and then from from what I remember, this is the book where he gets his famous catchphrase, uh, get fisted. Uh, that's where this comes from. I believe
3: that sounds right. Yeah,
2: Yeah, that sounds right.
3: Really? Yeah. (laughs) That's his catchphrase.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it is. Do you have a better one, Marco?
3: D tier. Please.
2: Uh, but yeah, (laughs) get some
3: taste swamp thing
1: fan. (laughs) Those are our
0: polls. Go after your muck hole. Gladly. <laughs> What's funny is I don't know if that was true or not. Guess and you I don't read the book. I think I'll, I know. I'll never tell. <laughs> I think I know, but I don't think the point is whether I know. <laughs> anyway. Those are our books. Um yeah, those were our those are our polls this week. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. As always, we will be back next week to let you guys know um, or to review and let you guys know what we think about that week's crop of books. If there are books you want us to take a look at, do leave us a comment anywhere that you find us, whether that be on social media at the Comics Pals, whether that be in the comments section of YouTube, or wherever else you're listening to this. There's a comment section somewhere. You can let us know what books you want us to check out. Uh, If you want to watch this live, Thursdays at 6 p.m. Eastern. As we said earlier, God's Hour, join us, talk some comics. Saturdays at 10, 15 a.m. Eastern for the main show, we'll be talking all about the new Jonathan Hickman, Brian Hitch book, and much more comics news. It's going to be the the Saturday of events, apparently. (laughs) Oh, yeah, Nights of uh, Night night Terrors. And there was another Marvel one announced, too. Jeez. Jeez.
1: Uh, just saw in the uh, in the discord that they just put a uh, a Star Wars one out too, Jesus. So,
0: oh, well, I don't mind mm-hmm. about Star Wars. That's you want to talk Star Wars? I love Star Wars, man.
2: I have Star Wars on my leg, I'd show it, but I'm not wearing shoes and I'm... nobody gets free feet content. So,
0: good call, good call. Paid only that's right. How many mm-hmm. weeks in a row is this with Tyler Since making the feet reference? W- well, hold on, Fifty-two. started, yeah. he's yeah, been he here over a year, yeah. Unbelievable, it's unreal. Sixty nine. A. 69. Hey. All right, we will. Uh, we'll catch you guys later. Until next time, take care, guys.
1: See you next week.